So we'll finish that. That'll take us close to the end of the year, but Jesus is going to come back before that. And, uh, but we're just going to continue going through the Old Testament on Wednesday night. Sunday's schedule doesn't change at all. So 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock on the Sundays. And so when we finish Philippians at the end of the month, we're going to continue in the uh, prison epistles, the book of Colossians. And that actually is going to take us, and then Philemon uh, will be the last one that's going to take us up to about the time of Easter. And then after that, we'll see where the Lord wants us to go um, on Sunday morning. So a lot of great Bible study that is coming up this month. Keep in mind, Christmas Eve services, 4 and 6, and then New Year's Eve prophecy update that will be at 7 o'clock on New Year's Eve. Other things that are there in your bulletin, take a look at it. Remember December to remember. The kids are putting together um, some blessing bags um, today, or actually getting blankets ready is what they're doing. And um, take a look at parents' Uh, this flyer that's here and uh, next week they're going to be making some trays of cookies and cards and I'm going to deliver them to the Well County Sheriff's Office and then also they'll be doing some other things uh, for children living in the local women's shelter. I love the fact that the kids are learning to serve and also there's a box out there that Lola has put out there uh, because there's been some requests for their ministry for toys uh, for children. So if you'd like to help with that, please just bring it and put it in that box and we'll make sure that Lola gets it um, in the uh, ministry that she has in putting food boxes together for those in need over the holidays particularly and also requests for toys for people who can't afford to buy their children toys. And Lola just wants to be able to help with that. So if the Lord puts that on your heart, there is that red box that's out there, and there's a little sign there. Uh, you can drop uh, your toys in, and we'll make sure that she gets it, and um, she gets it to the people who have need. All right? Okay. Father, we ask that you bless this time in the study of your word. And Lord, um, Psalm 91, as we start, is a psalm of comfort that we need, especially in time of trouble. And Lord, so I pray that tonight as we come in and, and again seeing what happened in California with another mass shooting and um, all over the news and on top of what happened in Colorado Springs, uh, Lord, we need to hear from you. And I pray that you would bring that comfort that only you can truly bring and wisdom to us as Christians. And, and Lord, we look to you and I, and I pray that our hearts right now would be teachable and, uh, Lord, that our hearts would be open to you. I thank you that we're here, that we can glean from you and from your word and gain wisdom. So, Lord, I do pray that even as we do say, come, Lord Jesus, we know that right now that we're to occupy till you do come. We need to be wise. We need to be looking to you and walking in your ways. So I pray as a result of being here, that, Lord, that we can just leave this place with that joy that remains in our hearts and the gladness of heart, and, Lord, knowing that we have a living hope that comes through Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. So Psalm 90, where we left off uh, uh, before uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, you recall that it deals with the difficulties of life. And what we're going to read here in Psalm 91 is that Psalm 91 deals with the dangers of life. And, 
And what we're going to read here in Psalm 91 is uh, the psalmist is writing about plagues and hidden traps and facing danger and lions and snakes. And some actually believe that perhaps Moses not only wrote Psalm 90 as his name is given and attributed to Psalm 90, but some scholars believe that perhaps that Moses wrote Psalm 91. We don't know. There's no author that is given uh, to Psalm 91, but it is a beautiful psalm of comfort and, and safety in the Lord. And certainly we could use that tonight. As we hear the bad news again, uh, the, the tragedy of what happened in the shootings in California, and this afternoon as I was preparing for this, and I was actually getting ready to go home for a little bit, and all of a sudden, you know, the news breaks out of a mass, another mass shooting in California, and I'm thinking, wow, really again? And our hearts just sink, don't they? And, and we're very concerned of what's going on in our nation and around the world. So what I pray that tonight, I was just praying, Lord, help me, that as we go through this psalm, that we can all be comforted by it, because we need God's comfort in this world in which we live in. So that's my prayer, this beautiful psalm that as we go through it, that we would know that the Lord sees us, and he, he knows what we're going through. He knows what's going on around us, but we have answers from the scriptures and comfort that comes from the scripture to give to us. So let's begin to look at Psalm 91. That he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. So it's for those who put their trust in the Lord that we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And of course, that word dwell means to to abide. It means to be close to the Lord, to, to place yourself under the Lord, O Most High. And it's interesting, the names of God that we're going to look at here, but what the Lord is telling us is that we should abide under the shadow, a place of safety and refuge of the Lord, under the shadow of the Almighty, for He is our refuge, my fortress. Notice that it's very personal. My God, in Him I will trust. And again, it's a picture of hiding of chicks under the wings of the mother hen, as we're going to see poetic language is used here in this psalm. And the Almighty is our refuge and our fortress. It's like the Lord is saying, I have you covered. And the name of God in these verses tell us that we can find security and safety in the Lord and we can trust in him. Again, he is the most high, the name of God uh, that is used there in verse 1. And it, it's interesting that uh, as we know that, O oh, most high, O oh, Elahom is the Hebrew word for that. Uh, the God that is higher than any other God. He's higher than any false God or leader. And we know that he is the most high God. That title for God is first used Actually, in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, when Melchizedek, after it was uh, Abraham that went to war to rescue his nephew Lot, and, and he takes his servants and he battles those five kings that took Lot and, and the others away, and, and he comes back, and Abraham, in that victory, Melchizedek comes to him. And, and we see that story there in Genesis chapter 14, Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. And so we are ones that we can place ourselves, as the psalmist says, in the secret 
place of the Most High, a secret place, a hiding place. You know that whenever that we face trouble or difficulties, I, I don't know about you, but uh, there are times where uh, I have a hard day and whatever comes my way across my desk or whatever it is that I face. And there are times where I take the long way home. And there are times where I just got a place where I just need to get away and, and just to be able to, to ponder on the Lord and think of the things of the Lord. And, and some of you, perhaps you kind of got a hiding place, you know, a place where you can just be quiet before the Lord, a place where you can meditate on the things of the Lord. It's a place of safety. It's a place of comfort. It's a place of closeness with the Lord. Oh, most high, uh, dwelling in the secret place of the most high, shall abide under the shadow of the almighty, as, as we know that he is almighty, should die. He can work in any situation that we find ourselves in. And that's what we need to remember, because there's all kinds of things that we face. Maybe you're facing some things in this holiday season that are very difficult and challenging and hard. He is God almighty. There is nothing too difficult to where he can't work because he is almighty God and he is all powerful. And as we go into a new year, there will be challenges and difficulties and all those things that we end up facing. Remember this, that he is almighty God and we can abide under the shadow of the almighty. And I will say of the Lord, the Lord there in verse two who will keep his promises because he is Lord and he's able to keep those promises that he gives to you and to me, that he is my refuge and my fortress and he is my God, Elohim. Speaking of his greatness and glory, which surpasses anything that we can imagine. This is the one. He is the one that invites you and me to come to him in the dangers and difficulties of life. Because as we look at situations that happen and tragedies like in Colorado Springs or in California on this very day, but ourselves in our own personal lives, we face difficulties, don't we? We face things that, that can bring fear and anxiety into our lives very much every single day. It might be your job. It might be your business. It might be your health. It might be relationships with family members, your spouse, with your kids. There's all kinds of things that are very difficult that can bring just fear into our lives, and it grips us, and the Lord is saying, listen, you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He is your refuge. He is your fortress. He is your God, and we can trust in Him. And the psalmist goes on to say in verse 3, Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. So here is, again, the psalmist is using this poetic language, saying that he shall cover you, verse 4, with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. The, the psalmist isn't saying that, that the, you know, God is, is a big chicken, you know. He's using that poetic language to give an illustration 
of protection. And there have been stories of, I remember reading a story of a, a grass fire that went through a farmhouse in Oklahoma and it burnt the barn down. And as they were going through it, that there was the char remains of uh, a mother hen with her wings out and they picked up the char remains and then all of a sudden the chicks just ran out and they were alive. And what the mother hen did was gather her chicks and spread her wings out. And that's what the psalmist has given us, that analogy, that picture, that illustration of protection. He spreads his wings out. And what does it remind you of as we read this in verse 4? It reminds us, doesn't it, of what Jesus would say as he wept over Jerusalem. Right before he went to the cross, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you under my wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not come. You were not willing. In other words, I wanted to be your place of safety and protection, but now you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he was weeping over Jerusalem because of their rejection of him and knowing what was going to come down the road and the destruction of Jerusalem by the hands of the Romans. He said, how I long that you come to me. And you see, that's God's heart for you and for me, for us to come to him as he desires to be our covering. It's like he's saying, I got you covered. To, to be our protection, to trust in him. And as we know, his truth shall be your shield and your buckler. And he desires to, to deliver us from two things that are listed there in verse 3. One is from the snare of the fowler. That is one who traps birds. He wants to keep us from being trapped by those things that are out there that the enemy sets. He sets traps out for you and for me, hoping that we'll fall into that, be snared, you know, and caught up and, and all tangled up and deception and that which is harmful, that will bring danger. He, he, he sets those traps out for us. And then so he wants to protect us from this snare to fowler to keep us from being trapped by the enemy in the world and in perilous pestilence, that which some have suggested speaks of that which is false and, and will bring deception, that which is false and is going to harm us spiritually. You see, that's what the Lord desires to do to protect us from. And how is it? His truth, notice in verse 4, shall be your shield and your buckler. To walk in his ways, to know his truth. You know how blessed we are. I think that sometimes that we can kind of forget that as Christians. I think that all of us here, that we all say that, yeah, we know the value of knowing God's word and growing in God's word, but it, it, it's so valuable, it's so precious that as we walk in his truth, knowing that this book gives us truth in every area of our lives, you see, it keeps us from being all tangled up in all the falseness and deception of the world and the traps of the world. It keeps us safe. At the end of Proverbs chapter 1, it talks about God's wisdom, that there's safety and security in God's wisdom. Matter of fact, uh, we made a VBS a theme out of that several years ago, out of that Psalms chapter 1, verse 33, I believe, where there's safety and security in God's wisdom, and there is for our lives, giving us direction. And remember that it wasn't long ago that when Paul was writing about you know, that we are to put on the whole armor of God. 
We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. And then he starts to name the different armor that we're to put on, the armor of God. And we're to put on the shield of what? The shield of faith so that you will withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. The enemy is throwing things at us all day long, all the time, isn't he? And we have that shield of faith trusting in God's word. And faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, this is what your word has to say. These are your promises. This is your commandments given to me. And I believe it and I stand on that. And I know that as I do continue to hear your word and grow in your word, then it's going to be a shield for me. And I'm going to grow in faith. And it's going to keep me being all you know, tangled up uh, the snare of the fowler and perilous pestilence, that which is false, that will begin to bring, you know, death to me spiritually, deception to me spiritually. So the psalmist writing some very important things in verse 5, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. You know, as I was looking at this right before it came down in verses 5 and 6 again, and, and look at this, being afraid at night, the arrows that fly by day, the pestilence of darkness, and the destruction at noonday. In other words, the enemy in the world comes against us 24-7 all the times, and it feels that way at times, doesn't it, in, in seasons of our lives. It feels like that, you know, that at night we can become afraid. You know, the night watches. David talks about the night watches. How he was full of sorrow, and in the Psalms that we have seen earlier, particularly in book two of the book of Psalms, that he talks about at night, how he was up and crying out to the Lord, and how he was afraid. And sometimes in the night we wake up and we can just be overwhelmed, can't we? We become overwhelmed of what the next day is going to bring or what the holidays is going to bring or in the next year. And the nighttime is a time when we can experience that. We know that the arrows that come, you know, by day, the enemy shooting arrows at us all day of discouragement and, and you know, of difficulties and all these things that he continues to, to shoot at us and the pestilence that walks in darkness, those things that just begin to eat at us and come at us and, and then destruction that lays waste at noonday. Sometimes it seems like there's no rest from all of that. And the Lord says, I want to be your shield. I, I want to protect you. I want to be with you. In verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. And so as we see that if we trust in this word, have faith in him and his promises, that he works in our lives and, and he desires to make us strong is what it's talking about. In verse 9, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, and the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Interesting verses, isn't it? Because you have made the Lord your refuge, you're my refuge, Lord. 
the most high, your dwelling place. And what is interesting here is verse 10, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. And as I was praying this afternoon, I was like, Lord, how is it that did I teach this? Because the psalmist here bringing us comfort, giving us promises here that the Lord desires to be our refuge and, and our dwelling place and, and for, us, for us to be under his wings, a covering for you and for me. And, and as we look at this, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plagues come near your dwelling. And as we read that, we know that in this world that evil can come to us, don't we? We know that Jesus said that you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And I know that Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. And we know that Paul would say to Timothy that if you live godly in Christ Jesus, that persecution will come and the world's going to hate you. So I think, how do we reconcile this, that no evil will, you know, come and, and befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. And as I was praying, Lord, because we know that Christians on the other side of the world are going through great danger, we have brothers and sisters that are being persecuted every single day because of their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We know that uh, a police officer in Colorado Springs who was an elder, a pastor of a church, that gave his life to try to save others in the line of duty last week. We know that, that Christians can experience evil and difficulties and hardship that comes their way. So, Lord, what is it that you're saying to us in this psalm here? I think it's very, very important that we keep an eternal perspective on this. And I believe that's what the psalmist is telling us because as he says, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how in the book of Exodus, there was the last plague that would come upon Egypt, right? Remember that? And it would be death that would come to the firstborn, uh, to the dwelling places, unless, unless, as God said, what you're to do is take that Passover lamb and that you are to sacrifice it, take the blood of that lamb and put it on their doorposts and the lentils. And then as the death angel came, it would pass over your house and death wouldn't come to your house. You see, we don't have the plague of death, of eternal death, because of our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, who died for us. And I think that we need to, in the day in which we're living in, as we read these Psalms, in eternal perspective is what we are to keep, that we live. We know that loss comes to us in difficulties. You know that it, it rains on the just and the unjust. We see what happens to Christians. We know that it's true. And none of us are exempt from that. There's no promise to any of us that, you know, none of these things couldn't happen to us. Tragedy. What about car wrecks or sickness or anything like that, but to keep an eternal perspective that we don't have the plague of death in our dwelling place because we've applied the blood of Jesus Christ into our hearts and into our lives. And I think that's what brings me comfort, that as Peter would say, that we have a living hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And as I read this, that's what gives me comfort. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but Lord, I'm going to put myself in your dwelling place. I'm going to be under the shadow of your wings. I'm going to place my trust in you, and I know that you're my refuge, and whatever happens is going to filter through your loving hands. And I know that I have the hope of heaven and eternal life and to keep my eyes on you. And it's interesting here in verses 11 through 13. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Uh, Here is the psalmist, verses 11 and 12, perhaps are familiar to you, aren't they? Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. Remember in the temptation of Jesus, that it was Satan that took Jesus up on the pinnacle of the temple and said, jump off if you're the son of God, prove it. Prove it by jumping off. And he quoted these two verses here, verses 11 and 12. Remember that? And it was Satan that that said, for he shall give his angels charge over you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You have the angels that will protect you. Nothing's going to happen. Show the world that you are the Messiah. And what was the word of God given to him by Jesus? That you shall not tempt the Lord your God, it is written. You see, it's interesting that Satan knows the word of God. Satan will quote scripture. But it's what is interesting, too, is you look at Matthew 4 and as you look at Luke chapter 4, you see that Satan, as he's quoting Scripture, that he left the last part of verse 11 out to keep you in all your ways. He omitted that. You see, that's what the enemy will do. That he will take Scripture and take it out of context and leave parts out to where the whole is lost. And you see, very important here that we understand that the Lord desires to bring that protection to guide us and direct us, to keep us in all of our ways. You know, some have looked at this in verse 11 particularly and said that this speaks of guardian angels. And, And the scriptures tell us that angels are real and that they're ministering spirits. And Jesus talked about guardian angels for children. Is there any reason to believe that that changes as we grow up? We don't know exactly. I think when we get on the other side of eternity, that if, you know, there is that chance to have replays of things that happen, I I think perhaps we would probably be surprised, you know, the spiritual realm around us, what happened and how the Lord used those ministering spirits to maybe protect us at times. I don't know. But I do know this, that ultimately he's our protector, he's our refuge. And I know that as I come to him, that the key that Jesus, as he would say, that you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You see, Jesus, he was one that knew the word too, of course, but he was submitted to the word. And he was obedient to the word. And for you and for me, it's not just knowing scripture, but wisdom and applying it in our lives. And that's where he will keep us in all of our ways. 
that as we hear his voice and read his word, that we say yes to it, Lord. That yes, I know your word is true for me and apply it in my life. I'm not going to tempt the Lord thy God. So there have been those who have read this, and particularly as you go to verse 13, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample on their foot. And there are those who, you know, will back in the Ozarks, you know, a few small, you know, churches that will have the rattlesnake services and all that, and they're passing rattlesnakes around and, you know, and, and being bit by them, and some have died because of it, because they take it from this verse. We don't tempt the Lord. You know, we don't walk across I-25 with our eyes closed thinking, you know, the angels will take charge over me, you know, I won't dash a foot and all this other stuff. No, we want to apply the Word of God in a way that is true and true wisdom and true context, the whole of the Scripture. And so the Lord desires to work in our lives to keep us in our ways. In verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. And I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And I love verses 14 and 16. That he will set his love upon us as we set our love upon him. And he wants to just do so much in our lives that we would love him, has the idea of setting our love on him, to be passionate and clinging to him. So this psalm isn't saying that, you know, nothing bad will ever happen to us, but to keep an eternal perspective that we will be with him forever and under his wings forever, and the Lord will work in our lives presently, and we can trust him. We, in the days in which we're living in, need to trust the Lord more than ever, don't we? And we need to be in prayer. And in Calvary Chapel family, listen. We are living in perilous times. And Paul would write about that in, in, uh, to Timothy, in 2 Timothy. And, and as you read, he would say in 2 Timothy 3, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then in verses 2 through uh, 6, or he has, you know, 18 characteristics of what, you know, it's going to be like in the last days. Men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money and boasters and proud and blasphemers and disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. It goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Paul is saying in the last days it's going to be very difficult, very dangerous is what it talks about days. You know what's interesting about that word perilous times will come there in verse 1? In the last days will be perilous times. Same Greek word that's used in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28. It's when Jesus went over to the area of the Gadarenes. And there were two men that were demoniacs. They had demons in them. And it says that they were fierce. It's the same Greek word. It talks about that they were dangerous. They were 
fierce. They were violent. It's also interesting that there are some very good Bible commentators and teachers. Warren Worsby suggests this. That perhaps what Paul is telling us that in the last days that there is going to be violence, that it's going to be demonically influenced. You see, in verse 3, it says, says brutal here. It, it might be translated in your Bible fierce as well. It's a different Greek word that talks about great danger. And I think that we're seeing it in our society today. And listen, I don't have all the answers. Except for you and for me, what we are to do is that we are to be in prayer for our nation. Because whenever a nation gets further and further away from the Lord, we see this pattern in the Old Testament when it came to Judah and Israel. That as they got further away from the Lord, one of the characteristics that the Lord rebuked them for was violence. That you stay awake as the prophets would say, thinking how it is that you're going to kill your neighbor and come against him and rip him off. And the further that a nation and a people get away from the Lord, there's going to be a void that is there. And so what we're seeing is the further that we get away from the Lord, these characteristics of being lovers of self and, and, and lovers of money and pleasures and being brutal and slanderers and all that is increasing. And as Paul would go on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that evil men are going to grow worse and worse. Now, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. I'm a simple Bible teacher. But Paul would warn Timothy that in the latter times that there are going to be those who are given over to doctrines of demons. And we need to be praying for our nation and we need to be praying for the church and we need to be praying for each other and encouraging each other in the days in which we're living in. How much worse is it going to get? I don't know. I pray for revival that will happen. And you're going to hear a lot of debate. And there's going to be a lot of things that are out there on Facebook and on social media and on the news and all of this. But may you and I, may we keep it a priority to keep our eyes on the Lord and be praying and to care for one another and to watch out for one another. And to encourage one another, because it's not just the violence, but it's a society that's getting further and further away from the Lord. And it's going to take great courage for us to stand for the Lord. I was thinking when Travis was singing that song, Come, Lord, Come, and he mentioned that it was that at the time of the birth of Jesus, that they were looking for the Messiah to come. And the Christmas story is such a magnificent story. We've gone over it on Christmas Eve so many times here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. Luke chapter 2, that it came to pass that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world shall be registered. And we know that as Rome was firmly in power there at that time, that Caesar Augustus, the leader of the mighty Roman Empire, who had the Roman army that, that was at his command, and he makes this decree that all the world is going to be taxed, new taxes coming. So you have to go back to the place of your ancestry and register for these new taxes. You couldn't protest that. 
You couldn't shake your fist at the emperor. You couldn't, you couldn't say, I'm not going to do it. You had to go or you were in big trouble. Because this one man, in his pride and in his arrogance, thought he was in control of the known world at that time. And he says, everybody's going to be in transition and you got to register for new taxes. So Joseph and Mary, Mary being betrothed to Joseph, they had to go to Bethlehem because Joseph was from the house and lineage of David. David was from Bethlehem. They had to make that journey. Joseph couldn't say, hey, my wife is nine months pregnant. We can't go. They had to go. And as they get into Bethlehem, this little, little village, the whole Areas in transition. The roads are jammed with travelers and they get there and there's no room at the private homes. There's, there's no room at the inns. There's no room anywhere. And all of a sudden, Mary has to deliver the Christ child and they have to go on the edge of town, probably in a little cave that they would enclose animals and deliver the Son of God, the Messiah that they had been waiting for and longing for and praying for. And those angels out in the field, they were out there somewhere, and all of a sudden, the heavenly hosts and the angel says the very first words of the announcement of the birth of Jesus is, Don't be afraid, for born unto you in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the very first words concerning the announcement of Jesus is, don't be afraid. Listen, there are times where we become afraid. When we see all what's going on around us, we can become overwhelmed and full of anxiety, and we can become afraid, can't we? And the Lord says, don't be afraid. You see, those angels were afraid because not only of the angel, but because of Caesar Augustus. You didn't dare come against Rome. Otherwise, you'd be crucified. You'd be scourged. You'd be thrown in, in the dungeon. And you see, it was not only Caesar Augustus, but there was a governor that was there that was ruling. His name was Herod the Great. He was called the Great because he was a great builder, but he was a paranoid individual. He killed even his own wives, his own family members. They had a saying in the Roman Senate that it was safer to be Herod's pig than to be his wife. And he killed one of his wives, Herodias, and felt bad about it and built a fortress for her. And so here come the, the magi from the east, and they come, and he's paranoid, and he, he wants to know, why are these guys showing up? And I think it was more than three of them. I think it was a contingency of them. Why are these guys here? We're here to worship the new king of Israel. And he was very much upset about that. You go and worship him and then send the word back to me that where he's at. And he calls the religious leaders, where's your Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, only down the road 10 miles. And he makes that decree. I want all the male children two years and under killed. He was that paranoid. He put anybody to death. And it says there in Matthew's narrative that when Herod was troubled, all Jerusalem was troubled. They knew he's going to do something crazy. And he puts out the decree. They were scared of Caesar Augustus. They were scared of Herod the Great. They were scared as they lived their lives. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the darkness, comes the light of the world. Tonight, you and I have the light of the world. 
And he's coming back soon, I believe. And in the meantime, what we do is we keep our eyes on him and we pray. And we pray for our nation. We pray for our community. And we give the good news of the gospel delight to others that we have a Savior, Christ the Lord, who has come for us to give us hope so that we don't have to be plagued with eternal death. And I pray that we would keep that perspective. That's the true comfort that we have. We have a living hope, not a dead hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who loves you and me, who desires to work in our lives. So this is very perilous times that we are living in, brothers and sisters, but I'll tell you this as well. It is also very exciting times for us to be able to deliver a message of light. Let's do that. And let's continue on with what the Lord has for us. And as I said, more than ever, we need to be trusting in him. Lord, you be a covering over this church, a covering over your family, a covering over you individually. Lord, that's what I pray. But Lord, may we just occupy till you come. We're going to continue in those things, and we're not going to live in a spirit of fear. Yes, we get fearful at times, but the message is true for us 2,000 years later. Don't be afraid, okay? I'm going to use you. I got you. I'm your covering, and we're going to go forth. And the Lord is going to come, and he's going to come for us, and we'll be with him for all eternity. That's why we come to the communion table tonight to remember what Jesus has done for us and this new covenant that we belong to, allowing his body to be broken, his blood shed for forgiveness of sin. And I pray that tonight we would just worship him as we now come to the communion table and just coming and remembering, oh, Lord, thank you that we're not plagued, but, Lord, that we have life. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this this psalm that we've gone over, and I thank you that, um, that we can find comfort because you are Almighty God. You're the Most High. You're our Lord. You're our God that takes us and invites us to be our refuge and our covering and our protection. And so, Lord, I pray for that, for us as a church, for our families, for us individually. Lord, we're not plagued with the plague of death because we belong to you. We have life. And this Christmas season, I pray that we would just remember you, the bread of life that was born in the house of bread, Bethlehem. And Lord, may we find comfort in knowing that you see us and your promises are true for us and you're our shield. As we come to the communion table now, Lord, I pray that as we hold the elements, that it be just a time of worship, a time of joy, a time of praise to you as we hold the elements. Your body broken your blood shed so that we have eternal life, forgiveness of sin, and this new covenant 
a covenant of grace and love where you write your will and your word upon the tablets of our hearts. So, Lord, tonight we want to continue with our hearts in just awe and amazement of your incredible grace and provision and love. In Jesus' name. The usher is going to hand out the communion elements. I would ask that you would hang on to them. We'll partake of it together, communion. <laughs>